everybody, and welcome to episode number 39, The Road Less Traveled. You're listening to the Wilderness Tamer podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in. My guest this week is Jason Samkowak. To sum it up as, he is an everywhere hunter. He has planted a boot in just about every major whitetail hunting state, and he's from the great state of Michigan, and he decided to move down here and buy a home in Georgia to hunt hogs and just run around the swamps chasing whitetails down here as well. And to top it off, too, he's been podcasting for over a decade. His podcast is the Traditional Bow Hunting and Wilderness Podcast. I'm going to definitely start listening to it, so y'all check it out, too. Give him a like and a follow. So, as usual, before I let y'all go to enjoy these awesome episodes, I had some pretty good ones here lately. Got my head held high on it. But, quick shout out to the sponsors. First off is Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear, period. They come with an integrated dry bag as a pocket with a self-sealing magnetic strip that is certified to go 100 feet down, and it will keep your phone dry as a bone. So go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now, to save you some money, use promo code all caps wilderness to get you 25% off your order. My other sponsors is Nomad Outdoors. They have great clothing and camo options to keep you out all day taming your wilderness. So y'all have a good rest of y'all's week. And for those of y'all bow hunters trying to squeak in a deer the last week of the season, good luck. May the odds ever be in y'all's favor. Y'all have a good evening. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. Number 39, The Road Less Traveled. My guest this week is Jason Sam Kalvac. Let's get him on the phone and get this podcast rolling. Hey, what's happening? How you doing, man? Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you having me up. Anytime, anytime. So, Jason, if you want to introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll get into this thing. Uh, Jason Sam Kobiak, and uh, I. I... Uh, have the traditional bow hunting wilderness podcast and uh, YouTube channel, and I like hunting a lot of stuff in a lot of places. Heard that. So, what kind of <laughs> stuff do you like to go after? Uh, you know what? I actually, uh, I, I things are, you know, I spend most of my time with deer and hogs. Um, I, mm-hmm. I love it. If you bought a place down in Georgia, just been there. I came down four years ago on publicly in hog hunt. You know, I've killed a dozen of them in mm-hmm. the '90s on uh ranches and stuff back in the you know in the day when that was kind of popular like in uh tennessee and that yeah. kind of stuff and uh um and i loved it but i haven't done it in a while and then i came down four years ago on a on my own kind of just came down to try and find some hogs and i got into them mm-hmm. and i loved it and was addicted and so uh we started bringing the camper down here and then last year we sold the camper and i, I bought a small little house down here that we're going to use for winter time so we're down here right now chasing pigs i've killed three pigs already uh, three pigs and a doe this month down here, so it's been really good. And uh, But I, I love it. Where at in Georgia? Because that's where I'm based out of South Georgia, about five minutes from the Florida line. Where uh, where are y'all based at in Georgia? I'm by Savannah. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's good hunting over there, too. A lot of hog yeah, hunting over there. <laughs> I, 
that's why we picked it. You know, I mean, I picked it based on the fact that there were so many WMAs mm-hmm. within a, a range of me that were pretty decent. So, yeah, I'm, I definitely love it, though. But I'm, I'm addicted to it. And that's all I pretty much do anymore. I mean, I've, I've hunted bear, I've hunted caribou, hunted a bunch of stuff like that. But, uh, um, you know, with my work schedule and all that kind of stuff, it's it's easier for me to stick more local. It's hard to take, uh, you know, a 10-day trip in August or in mm-hmm. September. Those are my busy, busy work months. So uh, deer and turkey, or I mean, deer and hogs are pretty much everything for me right now. I heard that. Now, so what do you do for work? Uh, I have uh, a few things. I got a wedding business, a wedding photography company that I've had for 24 years. And uh, that goes, that's, you know, used to be my kind of my bread and butter one. And then uh, uh, when the, I monetized the bull hunt, traditional bull hunting and wilderness podcast too. So that does pretty good now with the YouTube videos and affiliate links and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the uh, Google AdSense and everything from that. I got a lot and of questions I, on that sector, but we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I can go through that. Yep. And then I also, uh, when COVID hit in 2020, um, we didn't even, you know, photography, the weddings crashed, you know, they all had yes. to get shut down. Yes. Uh, so I, we didn't even make enough to cover my marketing that year. So I started another business in pressure washing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I thought it would be something just to get me through so I could pay my, you know, photographers and keep everybody going. And I'll tell you what, I fell in love with it. So I actually didn't, when, I, when the weddings picked back up, I didn't turn that off. I keep it going, but I just do it. I do it two days a week during the week. And hey, that's uh, I, extra folding money. <laughs> It, it is, and it in those combined, um, they have made it where you know now I, I work hard seven months a year, you know, basically from April through October, mm-hmm. um, not slammed and working, and then I take November through April completely off, and I hunt nonstop. I don't work at all. I heard that. Well, I find it funny because I'm the property manager of a wedding venue called High Grove Farms. Uh, if you can, we have a Facebook, and you want to Google it as well. But we've been doing weddings for about twenty years now out here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love it. Um, you know, I always have. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, everybody's dressed to the hilt. They're having the time of their life. And it's through mm-hmm. my eyes how they remember it. It doesn't get better than that. And they're uncontrolled chaos, which yes. I really tend to thrive in very well. So yes. I, I love it. And what's so funny is, like, we see there's different types of weddings. But for the most part, everyone plays the same music and all that. It's hilarious to realize how similar everybody is. Everybody's got yeah. all this fun and stuff. But it's funny. Just a little thing. Then, but. They also, and every bride says, oh, I'm going to have such a unique wedding. Yeah, it's just going to be so unique. Never seen any of this before. I will say, we did have a Star Wars wedding about two years ago. That was probably the most unique. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've seen brides. I have seen bubblegum pink wedding dresses. I have seen chrome, sequence chrome, where they were, you could literally see yourself in her wedding dress. Jesus. I've seen brides come in on Harleys. I have seen, you, I, I've seen it all. You know, <laughs> Everybody's got yeah. a different flavor for sure. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But so, it's, it's fun. I, I wouldn't trade nothing about any of it. Like I said, I, you know, this combination uh, gives us the freedom to, uh, you know, like I said, gives me five months a year to hunt and mm-hmm. uh, and do stuff. But it does kind of limit me. Like I said, I'd love to go like on an elk hunt or a uh, moose hunt. I'd love to hunt moose. That's kind of my go-to animal. That's, to yeah, that's on the top hunt. of my list. Yeah, but see, during that time of year, I mean, for me to take off, for me to take off, you know, two weeks or even if I was doing 10, you know, take off. To give up two weekends in September 
Um, I mean, you can, you know, that's, that, that's losing four weddings. You know I mean? That yeah. could be $15,000, 18 grand that I lose yep. in work for that. Plus the pressure, you know, I mean, I could be losing $20,000 in those couple weeks. Yeah. And so it's not, uh, not, not in the cards. So I stick mainly deer and turkey and anything that I can hunt November through April. That's a, that, I'm in the exact same boat. And plus I got two kids under the age of five right now. So oh. I'm lucky like, this season was a very lackluster season i must say it had its highs and lows but other than that i'm, I'm ready to get a little bit older <laughs> so. yeah well don't don't yeah don't rush that oh i'm it not time, but it goes quick man i tell you what but i i do remember those days where you you know your time in the field was not about killing animals it was just pure precious alone time yes you know? just to take a breath and loosen that belt a little bit <laughs> yep yeah, one thing that I always loved was the fact that, I, I mean, at that time, when the kids were little, it was beautiful to have a three-hour each-way car ride, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to drive down on a Thursday, be down there in hotel rooms Friday, Saturday, and then drive back Saturday night, you know, but it was it was nice and peaceful car rides. Yes, for sure. <laughs> now, kind of getting into archery, when did you start shooting a bow? Uh, I... Start. I got my first bow when I was 12 years old and never did much with it because right after that came uh, a moped and a license back then where I could drive it legally. And uh-huh. so then it became chasing girls and sports and all that kind of stuff and uh, high school. So it wasn't what really got me into it was uh, um, halfway through my senior year of high school, I moved from up northern Michigan down to the metro Detroit area mm-hmm. um, finished high school out down there and then started college but I really missed being up north so I bought a, a compound bow to get me back you know to get me into that woods thing I, I bought yeah. it and then I started going up north every weekend uh, I shot that compound bow for uh, it was a golden eagle uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it, but the Golden Eagle had the overdraw thing up a mobber on it where yeah. I was shooting like 23 inch arrows. And, um, and, uh, well, anyway, I bought it in like September, shot it at the range three times. And then, uh, third day of the season, I, I was out there. I was just still hunting, found a bunch of deer tracks and a good sign and some trails. And I sat down next to it. The next morning, I went back there and I killed a doe. Uh, she was sacrificial doe. Um, <laughs> I was sitting on my butt, uh, completely flat on my butt, leaning against a birch tree facing, like facing north. They came in 20 yards to my south and stopped right there. She, uh, uh, doe and two yearlings, and she was looking at me. She downwind of me. She had me. Yeah. And uh, But she let me reach over, or I actually rolled over to my side, got on my knees, stood up completely, realized I didn't have my bow, bent back down to grab my bow off the ground, picked it up, drew it back, anchored on her, and shot her all in 20 yards with her, with her downwind during that whole process. She needed to be taken out of the gene pool then. <laughs> yeah, she was a, she was a full suicidal deer. Oh, so that's I was hilarious. Talking, I was like, wow, this hunt deer stuff is easy. You know, I, I, this is real easy. So, um, And then, then I wanted bigger, better, and faster, so I bought a Browning Ballistic mirage bow oh, and it yeah. was supposed to be the fastest thing out there so i bought it well uh the limbs cracked on it twice uh, i had i had three warranty issues with it that they had to replace it in the first two months so i had bought that first golden eagle in september killed a deer in october in october i bought that browning by november that thing had been apart so many times that i said forget it got rid of it i was at a gander mountain and there was a uh, there was a Martin Mondo recurve there. I was shooting a compound right-handed, uh-huh. and uh, even though I'm left-handed, and I picked that Martin Mondo recurve up and I shot it right-handed, 
and I liked it, but the guy noticed that I was left-handed when I was writing, when I was about to buy that boat. He said, don't buy it. He said, your left eye, he checked me, he said, I'm left eye down. He said, nope, we'll order you one, but you need to switch to left-handed for, mm-hmm. uh, for a traditional bow. So I ordered that bow. And, uh, and then that was, that was it. Since then, it's been traditional bow hunting ever since. That was in 1993. That was the year I was born. I'll turn 29 next week. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was my first year hunting. I was 19. Yeah. That's awesome. That's kind of, I mean, it's compounds were still fairly, the technology wise is still fairly new, wasn't it? Back then? Oh, yeah. We didn't have any of this. Uh, you know, I mean, you were starting, there was a big craze for some higher let off bows, but at the time it was, uh, you know, there was no hard, walls on them there mm-hmm. was not i think mean, everything was i mean they, well, they were a whole different ball game than what they are now well, I, like you're I, still I, fingers were you finger shooting them then or did you have a release oh i had a release yeah i had mm-hmm. a uh whatever it was a true fire or something like that yeah. some with thing and i had this fancy stabilizer that had like fluid in it and <laughs> you know I, you know we were high tech for back then <laughs> yeah i understand that i bet which i guess i shot tournaments a lot when i was younger and I, like I said, I've seen a lot of stuff. And you saying that fluid in the stabilizer, that reminded me of a kid that I used to shoot with in ASA. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it had fluid in there. And then you had, I uh, could adjust the weights on the back. And I mean, I don't know if it did anything for me, but the guy said it was really cool. And yeah, it looks cool. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's neat. What kind of broadheads were you using back then? Uh, back then it was uh, uh, the True Fire, or I mean, I'm sorry, uh, the. Uh, uh, what are they? Thunderheads. Oh, yeah. Old school broadhead. Yeah, well, it was old school times. Yeah, <laughs> There was no mechanicals yet, no nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, your choices were that, a muzzy or um, or the uh, old satellite, three or the old satellite broadheads, which were, the blades were thinner than a razor blade coming out of your disposable razor. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Now, kind of getting into current season, how's, uh, how's it been treating you? It's been a good year. I, uh, I missed more deer this this year than I ever have in my entire life, so that's kind of a record I'm holding on to. I'm pretty proud of. Hey, at least you're um, in the action. That's I mean, that's better than not seeing nothing. Right? Yeah. No, it's been good. I think I've killed. Uh, I think I've killed five deer this year. Five deer and Ooh, uh, yeah. three pigs so far. And uh, I got. Uh, I'm hoping hoping for another four or five pigs here. I'm still here through April, so mm-hmm. uh, I got a couple, and then I got a big hog trip plant somewhere else too so i'm hoping for another four five six eight pigs i don't know but i, I love them and i can't stop eating them they're yes. I, I love the uh you know breakfast sausage is amazing from these things any sausage yes so i work I at a meat processor and we do a lot of pigs over here in Boston. Oh, nice. You know what? I might have to find out where that is if you're not that far away because I have yet down here to find somebody that I, I, I trust to do it yet. Oh. But uh, I'm addicted to the sausage, you know, my own sausage that I can use for lasagnas and for yes. everything. Well, this guy, it's the company's called Airport Meat Processor. He has a Facebook, and this is my second season working with him. That's the second season he's been open because a bunch of them have been closing down around us. But he vacuum seals the meat. And you get your deer or animal back. He don't do no community meat unless it's for deer bacon or summer sausage because that alone right, takes so side. much labor to make. People do not understand. And he has to charge almost drug prices for the rate of inflation this year. It has been crazy. Right. Yep, for sure. Well, what I've been doing is, like I said, these pigs, I'm, I bone them out in the field. I don't pack them out or carry mm-hmm. them or drag them out. I that's, bone them out, carry them smart. out. And, uh, yeah, and so I got them in my freezer. You know, I've 
bone them out in the field. I bring them home and then I rinse any hair off of them and trim up any parts I need. And then I put them in bags and I freeze them. So I got, you know, like I said, I got three pigs so far, but when I have five, eight pigs, I'm going to bring them in and have them all done at once, you know, just turned into sausage. Well, Hey, look up airport meat processor, man. We do a good job. I will for sure. Now what, when you're hog hunting, what's the optimum weight that you like to shoot? Because if you get one too big, you really can, you can't eat it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And I'm learning that, um, you know, it's all new to me as, as far as that stuff. I killed three last year. I, I, we weren't, we didn't have a house down here, so I just made three trips down here. And I was lucky enough to kill three of them last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all three of them were in that basically, you know, I don't even know because I've never weighed one. I, I guess I, I would guess they're probably 100 to 150 pounds yeah. um somewhere that, that and, and again it's all gas because pigs are so dense they it's are hard to tell, you know man um, we've shot some big ones and i mean the shield on them will be two inches thick on some pigs yeah and, and i when i when i when i kill a sow i'm real excited because i know those do taste better from yes, what i hear that is um, the best but, meat unless i mean a boar's fine but the my rule of thumb if they're below your knee go for it <laughs> you know what i mean right that's the tender yeah. meat. Yeah, and uh, and I did kill one this year that was pretty small. Like I almost, if I didn't hear from people telling me that those are the best ones, you know, I think it was probably it was probably thirty five, forty pounder little one. Perfect. And uh, and uh, people were telling me those are the best ones to eat, and so we did kill. I did kill one of them. Uh, it was my first pig I killed this year, and I actually saved it. I, I'm going to cook it whole. So yes, whole hog on the grill. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm, I'm excited to try it, but it was kind of weird. I mean, I, I, I drew back and let down three times before I, I shot it. Just going, God, I don't know if I want to shoot something that little, you know, that's weird, you know? Hey, take what the woods can give you, especially as a public land hunter my whole life. If I see a doe yeah. nowadays, it's like a mythical unicorn. I get just as excited as a big buck. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I'm, but I'm, I'm loving it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. That's for sure. I heard that. Now, what kind of, what are you still shooting the same bow, the Pearson today? Uh, no, I, well, no, I shoot now. I, uh, I've been through a lot of different bows, but for the last, uh, probably seven or eight years, I've been shooting Northern Mist, uh, long bows. I shoot a hill style long bow. Huh. So it's a, uh, um, it's a classic ASL style. So it's not like modern long bows where you have, uh, you know, reflex and deflex mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. This one is a straight limb, straight grip, just like they were back in the fifties and you know, a, yeah. uh, uh, classic style long bow. More D shaped long bows more than anything. Exactly. It is a D bow. Yes. Okay. Those are pretty cool. Now that's what le- 2020 Turkey season. I picked up a Fred bear Montana long bow just cause I took a hiatus from shooting archery just cause I got burned out after tournaments and hunting. And like I say, I went to college and got a girl, get married. So, but I, now I want to get back in it. And that was the only thing that saved my turkey season because I didn't hear no gobbles or nothing. And I was out there stump shooting the whole time for the most part. But other than that, I love it. And I feel dangerous out to 30. If there's a deer, yeah. I feel confident I can hit it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different ball game with a bow, with a long bow. And, uh, you know, than it is with like compounds and stuff like that. I mean, these, these bows today, you know, my buddy's got that I hunt with. Uh, he's got a compound, some carbon night, black magic night thing, or I, I don't know what it is, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's this fancy thing. And it's got like this slider scope on it. So you slide it to whatever the yardage is. And mm-hmm. it, it just, um, but anyway, I'm left-handed. His bow's right-handed. He was, I was over at his house. He was dialing it in and 
uh, and I said, how far is it? It's 80 yards. And a ping pong ball stuck on in his block target out there. I said, let me try it once. And uh, he said, sure. He said, just set the sight at 80, pull it back, look through the beep, touch the button. And I did, and I, I was only a quarter inch off that ball. Yeah. I'm it was like, wow, these things today, the technology, they shoot themselves. Well, traditional bows don't do that. You know, for me, me personally, I won't shoot at an animal. I say farthest I would ever shoot is 20 yards, but that's because I really suck bad at judging distance. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I say, oh, that's 20 yards, it could be anything from 15 to 28, you know, and I'm calling it 20. Mm-hmm. So, but. You know, I, I try to convince myself to stay under 20, 20 yards and under for the most part. I'll bet there's a, a handful or two of uh, animals that I've killed that were probably in the 24, 25. But I try to, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm 20 yards out. Yes, that's what I'm, that's my optimal shot anyways. But I, I know if the big buck stepped out at that little bit further distance, I know where my holdover's at at least. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I, we were just figuring it out the other day. Uh, me and Johnny runs Tack the Saddle. He's one of my good friends and uh, been hunting with him my whole life, basically. And uh, we were trying to figure that out as far as how many open young deer that we think we've let walk just out of range. And uh, um, I think the number, his number that he came up with was 17. Mine was about 26. It's uh, open young deer that I've let walk under 30 yards, but over 25. Oh, yeah. I've had some definitely hunting down here. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Okie Finoki Swamp yet, but uh, we would both hunt there. Stephen Foster, I believe, in the regs for Georgia. But we would hunt in there. And man, the bucks we'd see in there, but typical life of a bow hunter, they're past 100. Or they, we were, one of the biggest deer I've seen on the hoof to date, we were in head high palmettas in a flooded fire break. And he didn't know where we were. We spooked each other. But, man, when he jumped up out of those palmettas, it looked like Bambi's daddy in the Disney movie. It was a massive buck. Yeah. Yeah. And those really get your heart pumping. It's nice to know they're out there, you know? Yeah, it's good to see them. <laughs> be better to see them in the truck, though. No, I would agree with that. Yeah. But, yeah, I've never been really a uh, like a hardcore horn hunter. Um, I'm not. You know, I, don't get me wrong. I, I like them. But as far as like, I'm not, I don't run trail cameras. I don't, uh, I don't either. um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't really chase them too much. You know, it's funny. I heard somebody say one time, God, it had to be 15 years ago, but it stuck with me. I love it. He says, uh, you know, you take those antlers and you take them on a bandsaw when they're fresh, like the day you get that deer, as soon as you get it home, cut those antlers off of there with a hacksaw and then run them on a bandsaw and you cut them into, uh, eighth inch thick chips almost. And then you boil them, boil them for about an hour and a half. And then when they're done boiled, let them dry out for the day in the sun. Then you take them, put them on a cookie sheet, coat them with some paprika and hot sauce. And then you bake them on 350, pull them out of there, let them cool. And they still taste like crap. <laughs> oh, I was, I was waiting for it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> no way. Uh, I forgot some Asian uh, Chinese remedy or something. Right. Yeah, I, I was the same thing. I'm like, where is he going with it? Yeah, the point being that he can't eat the animals. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. That's I'm 100% meat hunter, and whatever Woods gives me, like I said, I'll take it. Now, like the last yeah. weekend of rifle season, I missed with my gun the biggest buck that in my whole hunting career to date. I hit him, not got good blood, knocked him down, but we tracked him for over a thousand yards from my Onyx app to where my stand to where he crossed on a private property, and it was pretty much a drop every 30 yards. So, yeah. but one good perk of that, my dad's friends went hunting a week and a half later in this same WMA, which I'm going this weekend. 
And uh, they said they saw a big buck down where I was hunting at. So I hope to God that was him because they said it was the biggest buck they'd seen on the property by far. And I was like, that's how it was with me. He was a good one. Yeah, you know, I mean, deer are pretty residual. Those animals either, they, you know, I mean, either they're dead or they're not. And if they're dead, I can find them. You yeah, know, if they're not, then, you know, they, they survive it. And I've seen deer, you know, I've killed a lot of, I've killed a lot of animals. And uh, I've seen deer that were, matter of fact, John, again, from Tacticale, John Tucker, me and him were in Missouri. This had to be 12, 15 years ago. But he videotaped it, but he shot and hit right in the crease behind the shoulder on a perfectly broadside, beautiful 10-point. He shot it. It's on film. The arrow passes completely through that deer. That deer runs up the top of this hill, still in, in camera, and he beds down behind this little cedar bush right there, and he, you think he fell. Like, he ran right behind it and dropped over, and you see him kick for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew he was right there. John sat there, waited till after dark. It got dark. He went over there. That deer was not there. We went back and we searched that whole next day, the whole entire day. We grid searched step by step. There was not a drop of blood. That deer, nothing, no anything. Uh, we had no idea what, how, or what, where that deer went. And like I said, John walked over there that night. So it wasn't like yeah. something got it in the middle of the night. It wasn't even there. So Damn. yeah, I've seen I've seen some pretty crazy things happen. And I've also killed deer that have had broadheads. <laughs> Side of them you know it, it went through the lungs you know stuck on the inside of the opposite shoulder yep. all puffed up and horrible and you know i've seen some crazy stuff yeah i, I wouldn't doubt that I and mean, they could still run on one lung too i mean it i mean it's to be surprising but they can do it i i you know back in the in the 90s in the late 80s and 90s so many people were you know well as long as you get one lung you, you know you'll find him and i used to get so fed up with that i'll tell yeah. you what a one lung hit. I'll, I'll take a gut shot ten times yeah. over. I'll take a one lung hit. I'll There's put it in the liver before I take a one lung. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, gut shot. I'll find him. Liver shot. I'll find him. You know, anything in the vitals. You put it in. You put it anywhere between the tail and the in the you know the the neck, and I'm going to find that deer. But you put it in one lung, and uh, and you know, I we have snow in northern Michigan where I'm at. So um, there was a season about. 10 years ago that I went and started trying to go higher, you know, in my tree stands. Now as a traditional bow hunter, most of the deer I'm killing, I'm killing between eight and 12 yards. And, uh, so I was, uh, um, but I wanted to be higher. So I was up to 20, between 20 and 24 feet. (laughs) That's up there. It was, and you know, what I found out is I shot four deer that year and of those four, three of them were one long hits. Um, now luckily I only lost one, but, the two, the one of those one lung hits with the snow, it lived for over 48 hours. And finally, it was like on the morning of the third day that I was able to get close enough to it because I could track it on the fresh snow. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that morning, I was able to, I went back in to check on it. And uh, and I walked up to it and it stood up, but it couldn't move and it let me shoot it again. Dang, that's cool. Well, at least yeah. you got it. That's awesome. Because I hate wounding an animal, man, because I felt lower than snake shit that whole weekend. Still do. It just comes in flashbacks yeah. every now and again. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. But a one long hit, I'm, I, I do not tolerate it. And that's actually a reason I prefer um, – I'm not a fan of broadside shots. I, I prefer quartering away ten mm-hmm. times over um, because even if I uh, – you know, on a, on a broadside shot, if I pull it a little bit um, – you know, you just there's too much risk in there. You yeah, know, you can stick it in too far forward yeah. or anything up there in the brisket, and there really yeah, ain't much up there. 
yeah, he hit the leg bone. We're on a corner and away shot, and that front shoulder is completely out of my way. Um, way, you know, it's way away from me, mm-hmm. and uh, so it gives me that whole thing. And like I said, even if I even if I get a one lung, then it's at least gut and one lung. Yeah, which means that deer is going down. I'm going to find it because you know I won't find it because of the one lung, but I'll find it because of the gut shot. Yeah, and know? it's it's a softer hit too, where the arrow is just going to go straight through skin. I mean, it only takes a couple of pounds to push a broadhead through skin, but bone. You got to make a direct hit, no glancing shot. Yep, and I'll tell you, I've learned over the years that if you uh, if the arrow stays in the animal, they run really hard till they die. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if the arrow gets pulled out along the blood trail, they'll then calm down, uh, you know, down there later on. But if you zip them through, zip, zip, and, uh, you know, most of the time, I, when that happens, I watch these deer go down. I see them fall over. Mm-hmm. Drop you that know, blood pressure to zero. <laughs> well, what it is is I think they're not they're not afraid of them. You know, when they're running, they're running because the arrow is stuck in them. They're running from that arrow that is attached to their body and it's freaking them out. If that arrow passes all the way through quick, then uh, there's no shock factor that arrow, and they're not quite sure what happened. So they might take two or three good bounds, stop, look for a second, and fall over. Right yeah, it's like, why am I getting tired all of a sudden? <laughs> right, yeah, it's game over. They don't even realize it, but yeah. So speaking of uh, kind of you hunt public land, what kind of stands do you like to run, or have you jumped into the saddle game yet? Uh, I'm not a fan of saddles. Again, even though, like I said, my one of my best friends has one of the best saddles out there, the Tactus saddle. I don't. Uh, um, you say Cactus uh, saddle? Tactus saddle, Tacti- like tactical. Oh, yeah, Tactus saddle. Okay. He's the only one out there that actually makes saddles that are 100% custom made to your body so that the alignment belt loops are in the exact right place. Your bridge connections on the side are correctly on your apex of your hips where they're supposed to be. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not a small, medium, and large. He actually builds them to your waist size so that you're optimally uh, getting the best fit out of them, and they're ultra—they're amazing. They're Damn, I'll have to have him on the podcast. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, John Tucker's his name, and it's Tactus Saddle. Okay. Um, but uh, but he built saddles, and I hunt with him all the time. And he's you know we go to Kansas every year together, and he's doing seven all day, for, you know, an hour before dark till an hour after dark sits, um, in these things. And uh, but for me, I, I prefer stands. I, I run a B stands. I've been uh, lone wolf assault stands for a very long time, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I switched over this year to the uh, B stand, the uh, hunting B stand. I love it. I straight up love it. It's just uh, perfect for my mobile because i'm 100 mobile i don't ever uh i don't ever go to the same spot twice and i don't go to anything that's pre-scouted mm-hmm. uh, i figure out where i want to hunt on a map that night and then the next morning i head in there and i go figure it out and i hunt it and uh it works really good for me on uh, that system and having that that b stand just really fits my style really well i heard that that's why i use a millennium lock on but this next season i've got to upgrade my sticks because i still use the old gorilla walmart ones one, because they're long and I can stretch out there, but I got to get something a little more lightweight. You know, it's funny because I did the same thing. Even though I went to Lone Wolf Stamps 20 years, over 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I still use those gorilla still, those steel double rung gorilla, gorilla sticks. So up until about probably 10 or 11 years ago, but I use them still. Um, I would carry three or four of them and I would have them strapped together and I'd throw them right on my shoulder. And because I love those sticks were so great that I couldn't not use them. Uh, and then, like I said, about 10 years ago, I went to the Lone Wolf, uh, you know, Lone Wolf sticks. And that's what I use now. I like them a lot. But, uh, and I put one eight or I run three sticks with one eight or on there. It gets me up to about 17 and a half feet. Mm-hmm. It, you know, maxes me out at, but, uh, which is all I need. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, those gorilla sticks. I, I don't blame you, man. They were they're, they're heavy, they're bulky, they snag on everything, carrying them in and out. But man, they just are great sticks. They're solid. I mean, I've have I've hunted with them for ten years, and I've had them for that yep. long. Same straps and everything. I know that's probably not orthodox, but they I feel safe in them. But yeah, uh, they do good. You know, yeah, they're good and cheap. I think I I, I still have. I think I still got five or six sets of them, you know, three, three to a set sets of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, they were awesome. And they were 36 inches long back in the day. Now mm-hmm. everything's 32. Yes. Cause that's, I mean, I'm six, four, so I can kind of stretch them out there a little bit, but I know lone wolf has those real long skinny sticks. Cause I was talking to a guy that I have had on podcast before. And he told me he used the lone wolf sticks and they kind of look the same in the way, but they just look like they don't have as much material just to be version out now, um, which is lone wolf. Novix is lone wolf. Lone wolf is actually no more. Lone wolf is closed now. Oh, it uh, is? Dude, I uh, didn't know that. Well, they, their lawsuit over the name because Andre D'Aquisto from lone wolf hunting or lone wolf custom gear owned oh. the name still and licensed it to them. And well, anyway, he wanted it back or some, whatever. Yeah. I don't know what goes on with that behind the scenes BS stuff. But anyway, lone wolf hunting products, uh, is now Novix. Okay. Um, you know, because of that, and they, they do have that, uh, they got a double run lone wolf stick, which is pretty awesome. I still run the flip sticks or, or the lone wolf sticks, the original ones where the step goes from either one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love them because then I fold those up real tight. Um, I got some videos on my YouTube channel that show how I pack that, but that stand and I, I put the, I mount the sticks right on the stand with a swim noodle between them and, uh, and bungee cord right to my stand. And it is so rock solid, so compact yep. and like, you know, it's a great system. That's about, I use, I got bungee cords, wrap my sticks together and all that. And I took a, actually, I got some military rucksack frames and I took the rucksack yeah. off one and it fits on there. Perfect. One, it's nice and comfortable on my back and then the load sits right. And I'll just throw my backpack over top of that, and I'm good to go. Yep, did that for a couple of years myself, and it works great. And then you also can pack, you know, I don't know if you've done it yet, but you can pack a deer out on that stand as well, too. You oh, know, really? when you're running that hip belt and those uh, shoulder straps, you bone it, carry a game bag with you. You kill a deer, you bone that deer out, put it right in that game bag, and then just tie it right onto that stand. And, uh, man, it, that stand acts as a, uh, like a, like a frame pack itself. Hmm. Yeah, I would never think of that, which most of the time, when we go hunting, we have a game cart. We rarely debone most of the time, which we've had before. But for the most part, we'll just gut it there and then just carry it back to camp usually. Yeah. <clears throat> but it is smarter sure. though. You ain't got to carry all that, all the excess or uh, all the extra weight through the woods. Well, in a lot of places I hunt in the Midwest, you know, you, you got, you know, where I'm at in some of the places like in Missouri and Kansas, you kill a deer down there, it'd take you five guys to try and drag them up those hills. You oh, know, yeah, that's a lot bigger deer up there. <laughs> well, not only that, the hills, I mean, you're talking, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, they may only be 200 feet tall, but they're, you know, they're super steep and you mm-hmm. just, you can't drag a deer out of there. Yeah. Um, so boning them out is really, or at least quartering it anyway, is the only way to get them out of there. I'll tell you this, we hunt, I don't know if you're familiar with the Piedmont National Wildlife Refuge. I've been hunting up there for about 10 years. It's a quota draw. Now during archery season, you can go up there whenever, but when you're talking about dragging up the hills and all that. My brother-in-law shot his first public land deer, and it took me, him, and my other cousin pulling on this buck he shot. And we averaged it out when they weighed the deer at the DNR's check station. It only weighed like 120 pounds, so we were each pulling about 40 pounds apiece going up the hill, but we were all about winded. (laughs) It was rough. Yeah, oh yeah, it's brutal. You know, I was in Missouri, um, I want to say this was probably four or five years ago, but 
I killed a, a doe and a, a decent eight point back to back one one day one the doe the first day or you know like my third day of the hunt and the next morning I killed that uh, buck but that doe was you know had to be probably I don't know eight hundred yards up and down two ridges. So I boned that deer out. So, um, but it was funny cause I kind of did a comparison, but so, um, it took me, you know, I, I shot that doe. I watched that doe go crash and, and fall over and I went down and she's a pretty good sized doe. It took me 35, 40 minutes. I had her boned out, completely boned out in a game bag in load slung between my, uh, you know, on my, uh, XO mountain pack. I put, uh, you know, I put it between the frame and the pack itself. It's uh-huh. called load flinging. But uh, so I had her loaded up, had my stand, my sticks, everything with me, and I walked right back out of there. But so it took me 40 minutes to bone that deer out and be completely done. That's pretty next quick. Day when I, yeah, and then the next day when I killed that buck, it was my last tag. So I was tagged out. So I'm like, well, I'm going to be sitting in camp anyway. I'm going to do this deer in camp. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to drag this deer out, which took me, now I only had to drag it like 250 yards to a spot where I could back my truck down there and get it. Mm-hmm. But it took me over an hour to gut it and then to drag it to there, which was just, I was exhausted. I had my shirt, so I was basically standing there <laughs> in my underwear. I was yeah, so that's, that's textbook Georgia, South Georgia hunting though. It's just so damn hot. Right. Well, then I got into the truck. I had to lift it onto the truck myself. Now I'm short. I'm only five six, so that was an adventure trying to, you know, on a, you know, to get it up in there by myself. I got it loaded in the back of that truck, brought it back to camp. I had to set up a gambrel system, use my truck to pull it over a limb, mm-hmm. get this thing hung up. Anyway, long story short, it took me this whole process took me like six hours yeah. to deal with that buck to have it in the cooler. Yep. Where the doe took me 40 minutes. It's like, yeah, no, I'm never dragging another deer. Well, that's again. one. Well, when we, like, when we go on deer camps or go to deer camp or go hunting, that's mainly we'll bring it back because everybody will, will be dog tired, but we'll crack a beer open, take a breather. And then, like you say, just kind of work on it that night. Someone gets supper started, and then the other two will just get it going. You know what I mean? Yeah, for okay. sure. Yeah, and if you got game cards and buddies and stuff like that, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, which I tend to hunt. I do go on trips with people, but I tend to like to hunt solo. I like taking my solo camping trips. It's kind of where you don't talk for five days, you know, where you're like, if you haven't heard your voice in a while, it's kind of different. Makes you come back with a different view on life. Yeah, I love those as well, too. And even just the hunting itself, like when, you know, uh, for example, me and Joe or me and Joe, when I'm doing an out-of-state hunt, the guys that I hunt with, they know it. I mean, we see each other. We text each other throughout the day, but we don't see each other until after dark, and it's basically to eat dinner, tell us each other how the day went, and yep. go to sleep. You know, That's how, um, that's how it is for us, too. Yeah, and even here, you know, I've, we bought this place down here. I got so many people. Well, I want to come down and hunt pigs with you. I want to come down. Like you know, you know me. I I don't hunt with anybody. I I like to hunt alone. <laughs> I yes, wanna, I understand. You, know, <laughs> you, you can come down, and I'll tell you how to do it and show you. But I'm not going to hold your hand through it. You're going to say, "Here's the swamp. Here it is. I'll meet you back here at the truck and down." <laughs> yeah, general direction. Go. <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly. Have fun because I'm that's what I'm doing. So. Uh, from coming up from Michigan, how do you like dealing with all the snakes and stuff down here in the swamp and the gators? <laughs> you know what? I see a lot, I see gators quite a bit. Um, and uh, it's funny because I think it's got to be gators that are taking these carcasses. It's got to be. Cause, it uh, is. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, I can be even a half mile from any, any kind of water source. And I, it looks anything like it. But I'll kill a pig, bone it out, carry that out. I'll come back the next day, and that whole carcass is completely gone, not drugged. 
not anything like that, but it's gone. Not a speck of hair left, no hide left. You can tell it's not birds. You know, the legs, when I'm boning the legs out, I'm throwing the leg bones. Every single thing is completely gone without a trace of anything mm-hmm. through these leaves. And it's got to be gators. Yeah, because they eat it on the spot. They don't, And they can eat anything and everything. They don't care what right. it is. Yeah, but uh, I, so I see, you know, and I've seen some gators, um, and uh, I've seen some snakes. I've seen mostly, uh, what have I seen down here? I've seen uh, four uh, copperheads, um, four copperheads, a bunch of rat snakes that scared the crap out of me until I learned what a rat snake was. Yes. Um, and uh, pine snakes, and uh, but I have not yet seen any rattlers yet. But again, keep in mind, I've only been here in the winter, except for two little short summer trips. But um, so I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see some rattlers. I'm excited to see more than anything. I want to see a, a water moccasin. I've not yet seen. They're one. there, trust uh, me. And I was going to ask you: Do you you do wear snake boots, right? I do. I wear the lacrosse. I love them, man. The yes, lacrosse, I, uh, I saw on your page, I was doing a little snooping, and I saw you were having to do the same repairs that I was having to do to mine this year after about three seasons of wearing them. That's exactly here, too. Three. They made it three years of me hunting with them, and uh, I just had to. Uh, now, the shoe goops held real good. The uh, the mm. flex tape stuff didn't make it three miles. I had to rip yeah, that, that off. Yeah, that flex tape's a bunch of bull. Yeah, I agree. But the shoe goop's holding on to them pretty good. Um, and my wife laughs at me because I, I keep wearing them. And she's like, listen, I have two more pairs of those snake boots um, that are still brand new. One I got, I bought another one to have because I knew these ones were getting pretty bad. And then I got, I'm looking at them right now. I got another pair in a box that have never even been opened. And I bought a couple months ago because they were on sale for $100 on a on a Bass Pro Shop special. And I had a gift card. So I'm like, well, those I need. Damn, so I, that's I a good deal, boots. especially for lacrosse boots. Right, yeah. They were like $225. Bucks and they were on sale for $100, um, 100 and something. So anyway, so I got three pairs of these boots. Two of them never been worn. And I keep milking these these ones that are about done. That's, how, so that's exactly how I am. I get the goodie. I try to get the goodie out of everything. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, so I'm, I'm running them, but I am definitely excited to see a water moccasin, like you said, and and rattlers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like snakes. I don't want nothing to do with them. Yep. And uh, I'm hoping that me and them have an agreement that they are not aware of yet, which is I won't hurt them if they don't hurt me. But yeah. Um, but uh, but I am excited to see them and learn about it. I have come across the. Uh, the gators in the holes where you would never expect them to, yep. you know, where you're walking across these little canals, you're about to step into it. And as soon as you get ready to step down, you know, this thing's just hidden under a debris pile right there and just takes off. That's a weird feeling, you know, when they're, they're taking, you know, when you got a, I don't know, even if it's only a five or six foot gator, but a five or six foot gator in, in water that's only 10 inches deep. You know? Hey, but that's a, that five or six foot gator is enough to take a hand off or an arm off if he starts death rolling. Right. Yeah. Not oh, trying yeah. to like scare or blow it out of proportions, but you know, that's hunting Stephen Foster. We had to deal with that. We pulled up on this culvert. It was lunch. And we were taking a break and we were going to try a different spot. Well, my dad parks and I go to get out so I can take my boots off and let my feet air out. And sure enough, there's about an eight foot gator sticking his head out of the culvert. And I was like, yeah, we need to move spots now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a whole Yeah, that's probably a nest in there too. I would imagine in that culvert. I, I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm, so I'm learning all this stuff, you know, I'm not used to the spiders, those orbs, you know, yes. they're pretty cool. The big old but, banana uh, spiders. Yeah. And they're neat and I don't mind them too much, but I get tired of walking on my face all the time. That bothers me. It's, they um, can't do nothing, but it's, it's, I have one on my shoulder and I, I, I reached up there to just kind of flick it and it got on my hand and I about just fell out my stand. I ain't scared yeah, of it, oh, yeah. but ugh, just makes my skin crawl. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was uh, a little weird. I had uh, I hunted Alabama a couple years ago. It was my first time ever hunting in the south for deer, and uh, um, I was climbing up a tree, and his tree was covered with Spanish moss and all this stuff in there. And I'm climbing up, setting my third stick, and I feel something just rub my neck a little bit, Ugh. and I just went to flick it off. You know, like I'm like whatever it is. So I flicked this thing. When I hit it, it felt like you were. It, it literally, it felt like I just hit a Twinkie. <laughs> and then you hear folk on the ground, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, hey, I can up you know, that hunting. Uh, Stephen Foster again. We were after we saw that big buck in that palmetto. We were we kept tracking him down, and we got into his bedding area. Well, we get into the fire break, and my dad turns around, and this was almost like a movie. He turns around, and tells me, "He's like, all right, be looking here. We're right here in his bed because you can see it was where he, there was a bunch of beds laying around this little swamp head." And as soon as he turns back around, I'm not kidding, Jason. When I say there was a spider that probably would have grossed eight inches in diameter, I said, I just said, shit, there's a spider on your back. And he's like, get it off. I'm sitting there looking for a stick to knock this sucker off. And when I hit off his back, and when it hits the tree, it catches onto the tree, and it sounds like someone punched it. Right. I mean, it was like a tarantula-sized spider. Yeah, no, that's that's some pretty crazy stuff. And it's, you know, I'm not used to any of that kind of thing. And I was already pretty freaked out because I was in this uh, Lowndes County area, which I guess is notorious for water moccasins. There are more of them than anywhere else. And I didn't know that. So I'm just wearing a pair of low-top keen tennis shoes, basically. Yeah. And, uh, and this guy I'm talking to, he's running a mountain bike. It's public land, bowl only area, but I'm going, I'm going 1.4 miles back into here. And a lot of that's along this field edge that uh -huh. borders up to this water. And the guy's like, well, I'm heading that same way, but he said he's in snake boots and he's also on a mountain bike. He's like, yeah, just when I came through there yesterday, I ran over three of these cotton mouths. I'm going, Oh God. So I'm already kind of freaked out, you know, and, this, yeah. and of course that day is like 70 something degrees. So I'm like, everything's going to be out. Yeah. It's warm well, enough. <laughs> Yeah, and then I'm coming out of there that night, and I gotta walk through this. Uh, I gotta walk through a hundred yards of this uh, this switchgrass stuff that's you know over my head, oh, and yeah. uh, and so it, you know I'm walking. It tapers as I get out of it, down to about you know basically waist high, but it starts out pretty high. Well, I'm walking through this stuff, and I can hear two things coming from like two angles and heading towards me through the grass every time I move they move and it's freaking me out and it's pitch black dark and i got like 40 yards left to go before i get out break out into this clearing and i'm starting to move faster but they're moving faster too i'm like these things are going to catch me before yeah. i get out of here oh. and i am freaking out so finally i turn around and i yell stop all of a sudden these two armadillos shoot up out of the grasses both of them pop way up into the moonlight i'm yeah. like well, what the heck yep an armadillo is scary to death too i've had that happen to me now, I want to ask you this. Have you uh, ran into some chiggers yet? Have you gotten any oh, of them yeah. on you? Yeah, every, not in not this time of year I haven't got them here, but every time I've been down here twice in August and once in September and once in April, um, and every one of those trips I come home, I'm, I look like I got poison ivy. My wife's like, you, you know, I'd sleep in the spare room because I'm not even dealing with that. Yes, <laughs> that's we learned the hard way a few times, and I religiously, I use permethrin now. And I've yet yep. to have an episode of them getting on me again. Now, occasionally I'll have a tick, but now that I swapped to that permethrin, it I hadn't had one on me this year. I'll tell you that. That's good to know because I have I bought two bottles of that Sawyer permethrin spray. I got it here. I figured if it, you know, like when I'm down here in April, oh man, um, I'll probably use it. You know, right now I haven't needed it, but uh, I mean, I still even now though. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, since we've been down, since I've been down here in December and January, um. 
we didn't get down here until the 22nd of December. So in the last month, though, but I've had eight ticks on me down here this time of year. Yeah, well, it's been yeah. relative, man. It's about normal anyways down here in South Georgia, but it's like after Thanksgiving, it just, the heat got turned up. So I mean, it was, I think it reached up to like 85, 90 degrees. And even working at the processor, the deer hunting dropped off. The deer just stopped moving. And I mean, it got to the point where it wasn't even worth me coming in anymore. So the season kind of ended right. early. But yeah. luckily, Georgia extended their archery season a little bit this year. So that's kind of cool. And I'm excited they did that. Now, uh, How long did what they do with it? They ex- it used to end January 9th, but now they extended it to the 31st for certain counties. Like, I think one's Gwinnett, Seminole County, and I can't remember the other one. But I don't know why, but it's either sex hunting and there's a WMA I hunt. Or I don't know if you're familiar with Lake Seminole. It's close to over there. And it's about 10,000 acres. And, man, it's a good little spot. There ain't really no pigs or nothing. There's a lot of deer on it. Yep. Well, I haven't hunted deer. I did, uh, when I first got down here, I was actually pig hunting. And uh, I ended up, I saw a deer. I got it on a video. It's actually on my YouTube channel on my first, uh, it's my, uh, you know, 2022 Georgia public hog hunt log number one but i actually killed it i stalked a doe which was pretty cool killed my first georgia deer this year but i actually was pig hunting and a doe popped out and i'm like oh my god i think i can catch up with it, it took me an hour to catch up to her and get in there close enough for a shot but yeah. I, I pulled it off that was kind of cool yeah that's awesome now kind of what states have you because this sounds like you've been uh been a johnny cash song i've been everywhere where all have you hunted whitetail i have hunted whitetail in Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, uh, Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, Mercy. and um, I'm thinking that's, uh, that might be it. I, yeah, I don't just, see what else there could be. Holy crap. That's about all the states on my list. Yeah, they're all good states, too. Um, oh, those, believe it or not, Michigan is by far the hardest. I wouldn't know. Would you say it's because of the snow or the no, population? It's, it's, the, well, the pressure. Yeah. The pressure makes it the hardest. Yeah. But I, I've said it before, and every time I say it, somebody gives me a hard time and blows up my email. Um, but uh, but I will say it again. But a, a Michigan, a northern Michigan button buck is smarter than a Kansas 140-inch deer all day long. I would. Now, I've listened to the meat eater and stuff. They talk about Michigan a lot. Is that because, I guess, the culture up there, there if you see a buck, just shoot it. No. Nah. Oh, yeah, where I'm at, I mean, these deer are killed early. As a matter of fact, like, our rattling antlers are just two number two pencils. You just rub them together. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Hey, that's about how it is in the South Georgia Flatwoods, too, when they're what I call the dog running area. If it's yeah. brown, it's down, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I follow that suit as well, too. I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm shooting for meat. So, I, I mean, if I got a doe at 10 yards and 110-inch at 40 yards, I'm killing that doe if I get a chance at that buck later in the year great if i don't i don't care but uh you know but the uh the thing up there is just a massive pressure just Mm -hmm. i mean we have nine hundred thousand hunters in michigan well it's a big culture up there hunting is for sure yeah and there's a lot of them and we are gun season you know used you go back 10 years ago gun season was two weeks now gun season is two months you know so it's a whole different ballgame that's still short season though it seems that way, but for an area like that, that's uh, like I said, it's, it's and they can use high powered rifles, and it's it's like I said, it's it's a different kind of ball game up mm-hmm. there. Um, but it, but as far as the, of all the places I hunted, like I said, it is by far the the hardest place to hunt 
in my opinion, at least where I am. Now, I'm up in northern Michigan, so I'm in what they call deer camp capital, um, which is where everybody from every major city comes up there and they bring their campers and their tents and uh, they come up and they spend a week there with 10 guys, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. I thought I hung up on you. But yeah, that's cool. Though. What now? Out of all those states, or I'll I'll say I'll say like this: for someone looking to go out of state like me, which one would you think I should put my which basket I should put my eggs in? Uh, the problem with Kansas is it is draw only, and uh, your odds are getting slimmer and slimmer every year. It's kind of like becoming Iowa, where you're going to just get it every other or every three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kansas is tremendously expensive. It's six hundred bucks for a tag. Ooh, um, yeah. And so, um, but Kansas has got some great hunting. Um, honestly, uh, Missouri is great, but I'll tell you what, we've been going to Missouri for 20 years now and we're not going this year. I'm so tired of the people. There's just so many people. Everybody goes to Missouri for rut vacations mm-hmm. and, uh, it's just unbelievable. Um, so we're not going back this year. We don't know where we're going to go, um, somewhere different, but, uh, so Missouri, I would say it is a great place with a lot of good deer, affordable tags that like, you know, they're only a couple hundred bucks uh, for a doe and a buck tag, and then extra doe tags are like $25. Oh, uh, yeah. So Missouri's a, a great one. The problem with it is, is every single person from around the country goes to Missouri. You know, where we hunt there on public land is a pretty good-sized piece of public land, and uh, but we've not seen a Missouri plate yet. But we see, every, we see them from Texas. They're coming from Wyoming. They're coming from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. You know, they're from Arkansas, Florida. They're, everybody goes to Missouri. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, and uh, Ohio is a fantastic one. I don't have a lot of experience in Ohio, um, but uh, there's some really good deer there. Well, you know, and there's, there's some places that you can – there's big enough tracks in Ohio that you can get away from everybody. That's what my buddy I used to shoot – we shoot on an archery team together, used to. Him and another friend went up to Ohio because he was selling a duck boat to a farmer up there who just had some land. I mean, the stars aligned on this guy, but – they ended up both going, and they both shot studs of a whitetail. I mean, dandy. And he said up there, man, you just sit up on a fence row or edge of a field, they'll walk by. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I said, there, uh, and there's some big deer there. I, I really like Ohio. I really like Indiana as well, too. Um, and, uh, um, and like I said, I really like Missouri as well. But it's just uh, Missouri would – I think Missouri would be fantastic any time except for the month of November. Um, mm-hmm. that's when it's just, that's when everybody's going there. They're on a rut vacation and they're heading to Missouri, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing too. I don't want to go. Cause even with like, with elk hunting, I don't know if you've elk hunted yet. I don't want to get up there and then like, you just see a bunch of trucks, which is going to be that way. But I want to try and go to the furthest point that I can to where I have the best chance of success, which everybody does, but I don't mind going that extra mile. But that's the key right there that everybody does since on X and since GPS is and all this stuff, um, you know, and, and it seems to me that everybody else is getting a lot younger these days, or maybe I'm getting older, but um, there's a lot of people that I see out in places that I never would see before mm-hmm. and uh, blows my mind. But there's, like I said, they got some stamina and, you know, I don't think there's a place that's not that people don't go to anymore. Yes, that is true. Because I can just look and see, and, just, uh, and they can, you can line distance, say, well, at least know this about what it is, and just strike out. Yeah. I've had my best luck in very obscure places. Uh, basically what, uh, like, or what Dan Infault would call overlooked spots. 
Yep. Um, but places that people don't know about, you know, kind of thing, or they they won't go there because they think nothing will be there. Um, I've had some incredible success hunting a lot of those kind of places. I, I you know, I, yeah, that buck I missed earlier that last week of the season, I'm about 800 yards from where I sleep. I mean, it's right. close to the campsite. No one goes around there, but it's you. Should, when I say he had a rub line that I followed it, and where the one I sat over, it was a spruce tree about head high, and I mean, up from chest down, man, it was stripped. So like you yep, say, just yep, to overlook right. places that you really don't think or where, you know, crowding won't be. Yeah, that's exactly right. I once in southern Michigan many years ago, but uh, hunting those little bitty southern Michigan is big cities. And they got these little almost like parks, like a, a little county park, but they're not really parks. They're like places where you can mountain bike, stuff like that. Well, someone let you hunt on there. and uh, uh, But they're jammed full of people. And I went to one of those and I set up and I was, I was 35 yards away from the parking lot that had nine cars in it and people standing in the parking lot talking. And I shot a nice four point. It died in a parking lot right by those guys while they were talking. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. But overlook place, you know, it was real super thick, nasty. And they were, they were using it to tra- They were basically traveling a ditch is what they were doing to go from one to the other. And you couldn't see it from there. Nobody was paying attention. And uh, I was like, well, the signs here, everything looks good. I'm, I'm assuming they're here, you know, mm-hmm. so that's yeah, awesome. Overlooked. I like it. So like, let me get into the e-bike. I have those that's on my plate as well. Eventually, which one do you have? So the what? The, the those bike? electronic bikes. Don't do you uh, have one? An electronic, but oh, uh, I don't. Mine is not an electric bike. Mine is actually just a pedal one, but it's a fat tire bike. Okay, um, I thought it was one of those yeah. as Rambo's or something. No, you know, I, I bought it to bring down here to Georgia because a couple of these, I from what I heard and understood, you could go behind a closed gate with them, but I didn't know if it was legal with an e-bike. Mm-hmm. But I figured I could with a pedal bike, and. uh um, but yeah, I don't, it's not an electric one. It's basically, it's a $500 Walmart fat tire bike. It's a mongoose mm-hmm. and, uh, but I, I, I like it, but, and I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of work to roll those tires over. I mean, yeah. you got to work out one of that thing. That's what I had a little mongoose mountain bike myself. And that's what we used. We'd go hunt Barry college up there in North Georgia and other places like that. And it'd be like a three mile walk just to get back to where you'd set up your stand. Just because how they'd yeah. have the gate closed for the hunting season, which is stupid. I mean, that's good. So trucks won't get back here and mess the area up. But it sucked having to walk that three miles at night or anything like that, knowing there's bears yeah. everywhere up there. Right, for sure. And that's the, you know, that was my thing. Was uh, um, And it wasn't so much that I was, you know, what I wanted it for was so that I could gain daylight. Because, like you said, some of those, some of these WMAs, they flood out completely. And they close those gates off. Well, the spot I want to get to might be four miles one way back to where I want to be at the hog hunt. And it's like, I'm not, if I walk four miles back there and four miles out, I've wasted my whole entire day. I'm going to hunt for two hours, you know? Yeah, so plus you'll be dog tired too. (laughs) Right, exactly. If I could bike it and be there in an hour. You know, and then so I could get in there and be there and get leave an hour before daylight with a headlamp on on a mountain bike and get back there and then uh, hunt all day and then mountain bike out. I get the whole day of hunting. So that's what I bought it for. But I'll be honest with you, um, it's nice because that that fat tire um, bike, it, it you know, you don't fall when you're in the mud or you catch ruts or, you know, I mean, it's real super stable with those big tires, uh-huh. sand, anything. It runs through it really well. But it is exhausting on gravel, you know, like on a two-track to try and turn those tires over, oh, you I know, bet. compared to a regular mountain bike. 
I guarantee so you, get a, you get a good exercise, that's for sure. <laughs> Heck yeah. Now, I kind of want to get in. I saw you're a, you might be a fan of crossbows and air rifles, and what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, <laughs> well, I was going to start a committee, actually, for them. I'm, I'm thinking that I want to start a committee, and we are going to round up every crossbow and every air bow that's ever been created. We're going to bring them all together at one time, and then we're going to light them all on fire and dance around it. <laughs> I heard that, and don't even pee on the ashes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, and like I said, crossbows, I can understand them for, uh, you know, I, I can understand them for certain situations. Like in Michigan, it used to be where they were for disabled hunters. You had to have a doctor's note and everything, and you, you couldn't pull a regular bow, and you could use a crossbow, and that was great. Yes. Um, so there are purposes for them, and I can totally understand those. But, uh, you know, I'm old school, and my, you know, I mean, I'm short. I'm 5'6". Hey, I have to accept the fact that I don't get to play basketball. You know, I'm 5'6". <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, I also have to accept the fact that I could never be a fighter pilot because I don't fit that criteria. Okay, so there are certain things in life you just got to deal with. And I also am a bald guy, so I can, I'm can i never going to win any hair contest. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's the same thing with this stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, if, if, you know, if people say, well, I, I don't have enough time to practice, then you don't get the right to hunt during bowl season. I'd say okay, that, that's, my that's opinion – I you think know? they should be put in the muzzleloader season if they're going to have it. I agree. Yep, use it anytime you want to. Well, Michigan just went one step further. Here, how's this for for ridiculous hunting rules? Okay, so Michigan last year passed a law that during the muzzleloader season you can use any center fire rifle. What? Well, what's the <laughs> difference? <laughs> exactly, but that is quote unquote the exact law. During muzzle loader season, which is two weeks long in Michigan, you can now use any center fire rifle. <laughs> Man, everybody's just kind of throwing the rule book to the wind now and just whatever goes, you know. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of that going on. And, uh, you know, and like I said, I'm all for people being in the woods and that kind of thing. But if you're going to bow hunt, bow hunt. Yes. And I don't think a crossbow is uh, is the right, is considered a bow. You know, in my definition, I say if you're going to be bow hunting, you have to hold a load under the arrow for it. You know what I mean? You have to be holding something back and not just have it cocked and ready. Because other than that, it's I just agree. a really fast dart gun at that point. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, and like I said, accustomed to crossbows i mean i've been in michigan 10 years you're never gonna get her 12 years or whatever you're not gonna get away from this stuff it is what it is but this air bowl thing i will i will fight i do fight it in every that's, single state that it comes up and, that's stupid you know, i don't like an air bow oh, that's ridiculous yeah, if you want to use it during gun season use it during gun season because yeah. it is a lesser weapon than a rifle so you should be allowed to but it should never be in bow season and you'd be amazed like i when tennessee had that go on their ballot last year i wrote letters and called senators and representatives and everything in tennessee and you would be amazed some of these guys were literally telling me why does this matter to you yeah my blood boil this here we go yeah. well you give an inch and they'll take a mile the other state will see right. they're going for it and it'll be a cascading effect People don't realize yeah, exactly that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of those two weapons too much. Like I said, crossbows I can tolerate in certain situations, but uh, in, in my honest to goodness, straight up opinion, you know, over a beer with buddies around a campfire, I cannot stand crossbows and I cannot stand air bowls whatsoever. Air bowls publicly, I'll announce that all day long and I stand by it. Yeah. Like I said, around a campfire with a couple beers, I'll, I'll make so many, I'll, I'll rip a crossbow to pieces. <laughs> I heard that. That's about, that's how I feel as well. And I, I'll just, that was mainly just for clickbait, just to see what your opinion on it is. Cause everybody's different. Yeah. 
I know guys who hunt with them, and they can definitely shoot a bow. They just choose to shoot a crossbow. So yep. it just is what it is. But uh, kind of getting into you, you say you've been podcasting for close to a decade now. Kind of get in. How'd you get into that? Uh, I was listening to a survival podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was, and then I was researching some stuff. I'm real big into you know do it yourself or self reliance, taking care of yourself, that kind of stuff. As Same far here. as being yeah. prepared. And, uh, well, I happened to hear this thing called a, there was a, somebody told me about a survival podcast that I could listen to in my car and it was by Jack Spiracle and I pulled it up and I found it and I was addicted to it immediately. He had like a thousand episodes and I was everywhere I was at in the car. And then also when I was editing pictures, I had it playing in my headphones, um, you know, but I was listening to these things all the time. And, uh, well, that's what he did uh, at the time he mm-hmm. was driving through dallas and he was recording him in his little volkswagen jetta back and forth to work and uh well at the time so i listened to him for about a year before it clicked and i thought you know what i this would make my trip a lot funner i i probably have stuff that people would be interested in hearing and at the very least i could make them and it would be something cool uh that i could just put together for my friends or maybe be enough to save me something to possibly write a book on someday or who knows so i i bought a zoom recorder and uh you know, started just recording them in my car, and that was 10 years ago, and now I've got, like I said, almost 500 episodes out there. That's awesome. That's why I'm going to try, I'm going to stay the course with mine, because if anything, it gets me excited. Like, I look forward to talking to people every week, and plus it gives me an excuse to tell the wife I got to go make content. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I did it when I started mine too. I thought I was like, well, me, you know, if I could get it to a point where it would make me ten grand a year, it'd be nice extra hunting money and stuff. But it never did it. Yeah. I did try bringing on advertisers for. I think year two, I brought on three or four advertisers. I charged them, a, you know, they would run ads on my show, and I tried that for a little bit, and then I just stopped doing it. It wasn't worth it, you know, for the, you know, it was making like two grand a year, and it was a hassle to announce. And then I kind of just changed my attitude and, and said, no, I'll find a different way to do it. And then, uh, but you know, four years ago, I made it where I monetized the channel, the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and uh, start. You know, I learned all these things and how to do it, and that's been fantastic. Well, see, you know, that's, I'm still trying to learn all that too. I've got a YouTube channel, but I have not uploaded a video yet. I'm still yeah. kind of dipping my toes into that. And I have a GoPro, but I want to buy me a decent little Sony camera or something, just something handheld, nothing too crazy, but still takes 4K where I can start making good, like, for, like, I also saw you do a lot of kayaking and canoeing as I do. I love it. Been doing it for about 10, 11 years now. I've uh, been from North Carolina to the Gulf of Mexico. In my, nice. Yeah. Now, I will ask you this real quick. Kind of, I don't mean to go back to Whitetail. Uh, where I saw you were hunting out of your canoe up there, where was that at? Oh, for, well, I was up here in Georgia, you mean? It was one, you had an inflatable uh kayak and the other one i saw where you had like you were in a canoe it looked like oh okay yeah uh, uh when i go to kansas i bring a canoe out there there's a couple spots there's uh uh two spots of public that i i like to hunt there um two areas and uh they're canoe access only and okay. that's the only way you can even get on them and uh so i bring the canoes we bring canoes down there and we use those for that area and then uh, the other one was on a uh, pig hunt in south carolina I brought that inflatable. That one was basically just going down the roads, but the WMA, the whole thing floods out so bad that, uh, you know, you can't even get into it. So I was, I, we were going to, John had his, uh, his kayak and his, we took his Tacoma 
And uh, so he took his kayak, and I said, well, I'll just bring my inflatable, because that way we don't have to fight with trying to figure yeah. out how to get two full-sized in here. So I brought that inflatable, and I'll tell you what, it worked incredible. I used that thing for five days. It was phenomenal. Heck, yeah. I've actually had to paddle up to one of my deer stands on an old hunting club I was on. Man, it was like the bottom of a bowl. It just stayed flooded the whole time. And back, this is back when I drove a big mega cab Dodge. at six-inch lift, and I'm glad I did, because a lot of times there'll be water up under the cab some spots. But I just, that kayaking's cool, and I, it piqued my interest, I should say. I always wanted to do, like, a moose hunt. I don't know if you follow the guy, uh, Gunshy Archery. He has I a do, good, yeah. And I follow him a lot, and that's one of my favorite videos of his is where he's doing that moose hunt with a kayaking. That is, like, textbook, I'm sold. Take my money. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He has the same kayak that I bought that I have down here. Um, that uh, that Ascend H10. Oh my gosh, yes. I love it. It's, it's like a canoe. It's more canoe than kayak. That's how mine only, is. You know, yeah, I love that boat. I uh, I use that. I killed one pig out of that boat. Used it three times, and well, I didn't kill a pig out of the boat, but I used it to get into an area to kill pigs. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I've used it three times down here. I love it. But I'll tell you what, I am not used to. It's going to take me a little while to get used to to kayaking with alligators. That's just weird. Yes. You know? I, we do a lot of bass fishing down in Florida and stuff. And uh, one, we were down at Lake Jackson just outside Tallahassee. And I was fishing this pretty grass bed. I mean, we got there deer hunting early before daylight put on and all that. And I was fishing down there, and all of a sudden, you you know you get that feeling in the woods. You're just like, man, something, something's looking at me. It ain't right. Well, I turn around, and I'd say at about my 4.30, 5 o'clock, there is a 12-foot alligator sitting six feet from me. Uh, it had to be a big old female because she was sticking her back up out of the water, kind of doing that low growling sound. I just like gingerly laid my rod down and I didn't even paddle on her side. I just kind of like pushed out of the way. And as soon as I got about another six feet, I kicked it into overdrive and got the yeah. hell out of there. Yeah, that's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, and again, it's still, it's chilly here. So it's not like I've, I have not yet paddled up to a gator or seen one while I'm paddling, but mm -hmm. the areas that I'm paddling through these areas, I, I've seen gators in them. These are these little remote lakes and stuff yes. and they're loaded with gators, you know, now, um, the only time I, I would out there on the hot days. Yeah. Now the only time I'd say they'd probably mess with you in the kayak is if you're fishing. That's because if you got fish splashing, they know what's up and they know how to get some food. So you yeah, just gotta be mindful of that. But other than that, I don't think they'll. They use. I've never been messed with, and I've been close to them. Yeah, my fear, my biggest fear, usually, honestly, is uh, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up on one on a bank. <laughs> yes. You know, he's gonna be just under the water, sitting there waiting. You know, and I'm gonna pull in to go launch or go park my boat, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride right up on top of him. He's gonna flip me over. Hey, but that's one thing I will say too. I always got my Glock 17 with me, no matter where. If I'm in the deer stand or on that kayak i got it with me <laughs> yeah you know i haven't uh, i haven't carried in a few years I, I always have a gun close by i always got him in the car i used to carry religiously every day uh you know and i'm the same way glock 19 99 of the time or my 26 and t-shirt days oh yeah but uh, i i I'd never carry in the woods i i've never only time i've ever carried a gun in the woods was when i had my wife or my daughter with me and that was just because uh you know, fear of, you know, being able to protect them from yes. people, you know. Well, that's but, the main uh, reason I carry it, because you just don't know who you're going to. You hear about, like, just weird stories or people who hunt hunters and stuff. You've seen articles like that. And yeah. I'm not really worried about that, per se. But to me, it might not be on my hip, but it's going to be in my backpack. It just gives me that little extra notion if I'm walking in the dark. Because I've had, I don't know if you've had coyotes kind of come up around you yet in the dark. 
uh, I imagine you have heard them, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Well, down here is nothing compared to up by us. Again, uh, northern Michigan and stuff like that, the coyote numbers up there, and they're big. They're huge yes. up there. And we, uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, I've been tracking deer at 3 in the morning in the snow, and I've had coyotes, you know, that stay with me the whole time, just 30 yards away from me. And, you know, they're, they're on both sides of me. It's like, oh, you guys are going to piss me off now, you know. <laughs> And they're, yep. they're with me for a mile, you know, um, and I have nothing with me because in Michigan, you cannot have a weapon with you when you're tracking it. Well, I could have had a CPL. I could have had a carry gun, yeah. but I couldn't bring like my bow or nothing after, after hours, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I didn't have anything with me, but that'll, that'll, they freak you out. The coyotes do a little bit. Um, bears, bears never bothered me. I mean, I, I have, we live in the woods and we're in pretty thick stuff in Northern Michigan. So it's pretty common for bears to come into the yard and, uh, um, you know, we used to keep, you know, they'll take your bird feeders and stuff like that. And believe it or not, when our kids were little, we didn't want them around. So when the bears would come in, um, you know, they come through the yard and stuff like that. The dog would start barking. I would just, even in my boxers, I'd run out there as fast as I could. And I'd chase after them trying to catch their tails and uh, trying to scare them out of there. And <laughs> I, I'd run them for a hundred yards. You yeah. Know? And, uh, every once in a while you get one that doesn't really run very fast. And then they kind of turn around and watch you and that'll make the hair stand up on your neck. You know? oh, for a but, black bear, especially cause they ain't going to play, don't play dead with them. They're just going to start eating. Yeah, no, they're they can be a little feisty, but I but I mean in hundreds of encounters with black bears, I've never never had one go the way I or other than the way I expected it to, which was them trying as hard as they can to get away from me. So I, I don't worry too much about the bears. Uh, cougars, I don't have much experience with. Um, they're down here, that, but they are here. I said they are here. I've seen them, heard them. They no matter. Some people say that we don't have cougars down here or a panther. We have them. <laughs> interesting yeah i've not seen do you know because where i hit hunt in kansas they're there yeah you know and that's weird you know that's a eerie kind of feeling you know there sounds like a woman's being point. murdered out in the middle of the woods because i've heard them coon hunting before in deep swamp <laughs> yeah 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 i mean they uh like i said that's that's something i'm not used to but uh you know, it's it's. I'm loving it down here, but I gotta. I, I I'm just fascinated with learning these things that are out there mm-hmm. and what things are. You know, and, uh, and and so that's been my big thing. But I am real excited with the snakes to learn more about them so that I can know better. Because yes. right now, I mean, these snakes look. At the re- I think the reason I haven't seen one is because they're just sitting there watching me walk by and goes, "This guy blind? Is he? Is <laughs> he's got a hey, blind?" We've stepped over a, quite a few, and there's two different kinds of rattlers around this region. One's what we call a cane break or a timber rattler, and an identifying mark for them is going to look like a peach line going down the middle of his back, and he's not going to have diamonds. It's going to be stripes, but he will have a rattler. Now, the eastern diamondback, which they have out there in the Rockies and stuff, or like a cousin of it, they're they're a little less known, but I killed one about, it was a six-footer in my parents' yard. This is back when I was living at the house, and our, our dogs were going nuts. We had a downed oak tree. And sure enough, it was about a six-foot diamondback uh, in the yard. And that was the last one I've seen since that. It's been eight years since I've seen that. But cane breaks, which the timber rattler are a little more prevalent. Those are the ones you're probably going to run up on if you see one. That's what I hear. And I haven't uh, haven't yet, but I like I said, I'm looking forward to and afraid of at the same time. Oh, wait uh, till them happen. rattles kick up. If you don't see the snake and you just hear them rattles, that touches down into your primal DNA where like your ancestors, that was a caveman just going, nope, 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 that ain't good. You, right. You could tell, man, that's ingrained in us. 
yeah, I'm excited to, like I said, excited to experience that, you know, and like I said, the water moccasins, I, I look, I'm in a swamp every, I mean, hundreds of miles in the swamp and I had to walk by, by a bunch of them and just not seen them, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, you know, like I said, I, I'm loving all this stuff, but it's adventure. You yes, know, in Georgia, it's a Goldilocks zone for hunting. It's get warmer temperatures and plus there's there's a wide variety you can hunt around year round just about. I mean, you can hunt hogs year round and all that. And deer season's pretty long with a very liberal tag limit versus the more majority other of the country, you know? Oh, I agree. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, you could yeah, flat, fill up a fun. freezer down here in Georgia if you got some good property. And, and it's every time you're out in the woods, it's a new adventure. Like mm-hmm. I said, there's things that, I mean, you, you don't know. I mean, in, in Michigan, there's nothing that wants to bite me. There's nothing that wants, well, bears, but like I said, bears want nothing to do with you. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's there's zero danger for me in the woods in Michigan. Yeah. Zero danger for me anywhere in Ohio, Indiana. You know, there's nothing here. Here, here, down here in Georgia, everything wants to bite me, poke me, stab me, sting me, or hurt me. Especially if you're walking through thick brush and you hit a vine of what they call that devil's club or devil's cane. Man, yeah, that's we ran in. Or go ahead. That's when we were looking for that buck I shot. I was, I, we thought it was blood of the deer, but I ended up getting raked by a devil's club. And I mean, it shredded the outside of my arm. And I didn't even yeah. feel it because I guess I was sweating. You know how skin's loose and all that. But, yeah. uh, and you can hear it if you if you if you're quiet when you try and move through it when you try to push your way through it, it you can actually hear that plant laughing at you as a as the claws sinking deeper. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Well, man, we're getting up by hour fifteen here. If you want to plug yourself, especially your YouTube channel and your Instagram, and uh, I'll also I'll share your stuff on when I make the post later to my to my Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Yeah, it's uh, anywhere you you find me anywhere by searching traditional bow hunting and wilderness podcast. Um, that'll get you to it'll pop up my website on Google, which is TBW Podcast. But it'll pop that up. It'll take my if you go to YouTube, traditional bow hunting wilderness podcast. You type it in Google, it'll bring up my podcast. It'll bring up the website YouTube. It's, it's everywhere. That's that. Now the social media stuff is just my name. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, for both Facebook and Instagram is Jason. And the last name is S A M K O W I A K. Um, but, uh, it, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, traditional bull hunting wilderness podcast, anywhere you type it, you'll find me. Okay. Awesome. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on and the door is always open to come back on again. I'm very interested to hear your, uh, new take on Georgia hunting. <laughs> I'm excited, man. And I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again. All right, man. Well, you have a good evening. You too as well. Thanks. Thank you. Yep. Bye.